You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Everybody, we are live again. And today we are going to be talking to Austin Petersmith, who is the CEO of Capiche, which is a secret society for SaaS. So those of you that listen or those that don't know, SaaS is software as a service. But Austin, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Good. Very good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I don't remember how I found Capiche. I think it was maybe on Trends, Sam Parr from The Hustle, and then Capiche was mentioned. And I was like, oh, this is awesome because I'm a SaaS nerd. I love SaaS. And when I saw this, I was like, whoa, this is really cool because this shows kind of pricing data for a lot of these different companies and you can see how things trend over time. I'd love to learn a little more before we even talk about Capiche, what your story is and how it led up to Capiche. Yeah, definitely. So, so I first had a background in journalism. I did an internship at The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and I got my master's in journalism and I worked for a little while as a reporter in Washington, D.C. and ended up kind of finding myself, I was always very interested in technology and I guess student loans from grad school was a huge factor and it was very hard to work as a journalist. And so I was kind of considering options and I ended up joining a startup in San Francisco in 2012 and then have been working in tech since then. So initially my first role was, it was a developer facing product and I ended up doing like developer evangelism, community management. I was traveling around to hackathons and meeting developers. I got the chance to learn how to code during that, which was really cool, just exposure to a lot more of technology as an industry. And then worked at a couple of different startups. And then most recently, I was working with Jason Calacanis at inside.com. So it's a network of email newsletters. And I joined there in 2016 in sort of a reboot of the company. And I was president for a little over three years and building out this network of newsletters from several thousand subscribers to around a million subscribers today and building out the revenue and all those things. And in that time, also ramped up a little bit of angel investing. And I guess through all of this, got a lot of exposure to different areas that revolved around all these things that led to Capiche. So I got to see how enterprise marketing works in a company. So that first startup I joined was acquired by another one. And it was this developer product that was going through a transition of starting to sell to the enterprise. And so I got to see exactly what companies typically do during that, which is that you hire a bunch of salespeople. Generally, they're actually sales dudes and they roll in and have this whole process and you call up Gartner and you get the Gartner analysts, you start paying Gartner a lot of money and then you get to have dinners. The CEO of your company has dinners with the Gartner analysts and you kind of schmooze it up and then all of a sudden you're on the Gartner magic quadrant and then the Fortune 500 companies start calling. And I was very surprised to see that happen. And so that really resonated with me. In terms of like specific frustration going forward, I just could see this review ecosystem in software and the sites are not useful. The content is not that great. It comes from this pay-to-play transactional model. And for me, at least it never was valuable. And I would compare that to conversations I would have. If I were buying an email service provider or whatever it is, then I would call up a friend or I would email a VC listserv that I'm on or ask in like a founder Slack group or hear things people are saying on podcasts like this. And those opinions and level of detail that you get in those types of conversations is just night and day compared to what happens on these review sites. And so I really just felt like we need, I don't know if a review site is actually the answer, but a place for elevated conversations and a canonical source of just the information about all of these products, because the number of SaaS products on the market has exploded and it's just very confusing and hard to keep track of. And you see what's hot and what people are talking about on Twitter and these things, but 
what I really felt was missing was just like an ongoing record of what the actual deal is with these products and who they actually solve the problems best for, which can't really be distilled in a short Yelp style review because the use cases range so much. So yeah, that's a lot of the backstory. Cool. So those of you that are watching right now, I'm actually going to share my screen and I haven't done that all day today. So Capiche, I mean, you log in and then you see people having discussions. Like I've noticed on Twitter, especially people have been talking a lot about Notion, right? And we use Notion, we love it, but I just, you know, people are going crazy about it. And then you can upvote things or note products that are interesting to you. I think this is all great. There's AMAs, there's essays, there's everything. But you guys also have reports on how pricing for specific SaaS products have trended over time. I guess what other reports do you have that you think people would find useful? So one of the pieces of Capiche, most of the conversations like you were just seeing are not anonymous. So people are kind of talking about the products they use and all those things under their identity. But we have anonymous content as well where people can share things around pricing because one of the biggest issues with information asymmetry in this space is pricing. So it's vendors that require you to get on a demo call just to figure out what you're actually going to have to pay them and the huge discrepancies that vendors have from one client to the next because they really are approaching these conversations as what can we get out of this customer? And it's not following any sort of normal pricing scheme. And it ranges quite a bit. There are some folks that are fairly transparent with pricing, but really across the board, there's a lot of discrepancy, even when you see pricing listed. And then there's also a lot of A-B testing. Some of the companies that are much more transparent with their pricing are, or it seems that way when you look at the site, but if you look tomorrow, you might land in a different A-B test. And so there really is a lot that's happening there. And so we've been working on ways to start building some structured data on this because that is what would be the most interesting. But right now we just have thousands and thousands of anecdotes where people say, this is how much we're paying for SendGrid. We were initially quoted this much and we negotiated in this way and we're able to get them to agree to this amount. And this is what our usage level is, what our volume is and all of those things. And when you go into those negotiations, the reason for the pricing opacity is that it allows the vendor to frame the entire discussion. And so if you go in armed with a bunch of anecdotes from people who have similar usage volume to what you're going to have, then you can have that framing ahead of time and know what pricing is going to feel good. Or before you even talk to the company, you can just, instead of having to go through a demo call to learn that their pricing is not going to work for you, you can read that on Capiche and then just move on to a product that has pricing that's going to be a better fit for you. That's awesome. This is great. So I guess, what is the plan right now? Because you guys raised 1.1 million. I'm seeing Jason Calacanis, Darmesh Shaw. So you have people that really believe in this thing. Is it just you guys are trying to specifically grow right now? Let's not charge anything. What's that look like? Yeah, so we so far have not monetized at all. And in terms of the plan, so right now, if you go to the homepage, it can't really access anything. And so we have a bunch of people on a wait list. And we've been kind of just like trying to foster this really high quality community. And so the wait list, we do kind of let people in and there's like an application that you can fill out. And so it's not too hard, but there are a lot of people that are still waiting to get in. And then a lot of the content is not behind a paywall, but behind a login wall. And so a lot of that is just about maintaining one of the main things that I think is so important is quality. And so we're really trying to foster a small and really high quality community to start. But the idea is that at a certain point, I want all of the content on our site to be completely public. So something like Stack Overflow, where we just want it to be out there. And so any of the friction that exists now is just around making sure that as we build the foundation of the community, that we can really get people aligned with the values that we think are going to be really important going forward. And the friction that's in place is so that the people who get in right now are the ones who are really excited 
to be there. And we filter out the people who want to just show up and promote their thing on a question about whatever, which is like the activity you see on Quora constantly. And so that's really the focus right now. And monetizing has not been a focus at all. And then in terms of next steps, the things that we're working on most immediately are expanding on this community content. So I don't want to share too much about it, but it's going to be in the coming weeks, basically just a better index of all the SaaS products. And it's going to be community maintained. So wiki pages that explain the features and overview and yeah. use cases and all these different things that you want to know about products. And Great for SEO. Yeah, exactly. For SEO. And it's just for me, there's just no consistent place. The marketing pages are incredibly hard to actually figure out the nuts and bolts and the review sites, same thing. And so we're modeling everything off of API docs that are really well done because those are entirely designed around consumption. It's like get you the information that you want. And so we're building these pages that will do that across dozens of products to start, but eventually 5,000 SaaS products. Imagine a normalized Wikipedia style. You just know where to look for the pricing information or the features or whatever else, the integrations, alternatives, all those things. And so that's what we're working on next. And in terms of monetization, I think obviously the world has changed in the last several months. And so that has to be a factor. My personal thought has been that it's just so important that we build the quality community that we need and that any focus on anything other than that in the early days runs the risk of us losing that integrity. And so basically the answer is I can't tell you when we're going to start monetizing. It's not going to be very soon, but I can tell you ways that I've thought about it. So I think Wirecutter is an example of a site that makes money off of affiliate links. So when you read their reviews, you click on things and you buy them, which is common all over the place. But what they do differently is that they are really, really open about the fact that they make money on those links and transparent about their editorial processes in a way that you can actually like trust and almost actually want to click on their affiliate links. And I take a lot of inspiration from that. Obviously, I've had vendors approach us about paying to be able to route leads to their site because people are coming to Capiche to learn about pricing and all these things. And there's a ton of value in that demand. And to the extent that we'll do it, we need to do it in a way that the user understands A, that we might make money on it and B, how a vendor that's paying us is treated differently than a vendor that isn't because that on these review sites is not transparent at all. So when you see a badge that says best in class for some email client or whatever, you might think that that was purely because the users said it was the best in class and you might be wrong if you think that. (laughs) And we want this to be much more transparent. And so basically there is a lot of opportunity there and we just need to figure out how to do it the right way. And then other ways that we can make money that might remove some of that risk of any conflict are the data, obviously. So this pricing data, right now it's a lot of startups that have shared all this pricing data with us. But as we go forward, we're getting bigger and bigger companies to share a lot of these details. And so if you imagine a Fortune 500 company that's spending millions and millions or tens of millions of dollars on some software solutions every year, if we can give them the data they need to go renegotiate those contracts, that could be worth quite a lot of money to them. And so there's a lot of value in what we're building. I think there's a lot of value that will be there for the long term. And so for me, we're not going to go away. And so it's really just about like building the community and the monetization will always be there because there's so much value in the things that we're doing. And one last point just to explain the ethos behind all of it is that You have these analyst firms and review sites and all these things that ultimately have landed on the side of being an extension of sales and marketing of these companies. And that is fundamentally the simplest way of describing what we're doing is we want to flip that on its head. So we entirely exist to serve the customers and the users of the products whose interests sometimes align with the vendors, but other times don't. And we will always err on the side of we want to deliver value to the customers and the buyers, even 
if that compromises money that we could make from the vendors, because I think that's the longer term, more sustainable model. Okay. And thank you for that. That's helpful. Here's my question. Whatever numbers you're comfortable sharing right now in terms of growth rates, communities, whatever, what can you share around the business right now? It's primarily user-generated content on the site. And so that's one of the main things that we are paying attention to is just the volume of content. So a user post is anytime someone comes to the site and writes some type of content that is generally about software products or how much they're paying or whatever else. And so in terms of metrics there, we have about 8,000 posts right now. So it took us from September, the last day of August, I think is when we actually turned on the site for the first time. So it took us about 18 weeks from there to get the first 2000 posts and then 10 weeks after that. So that was around January and then 10 weeks after that to get the next 2000 posts and then another six weeks to get the next 2000 and then in the past three weeks, another 2000. And so that's been our path to these 8000 posts. And so it's growing at a nice clip. Yeah. And in terms of traffic, we're seeing around 30,000 visitors a month. So it's not huge. It hasn't been the biggest focus. We have definitely some foundations in place around SEO. But like I said, there's a lot of gates. We're putting friction on the SEO right now in ways that we won't in the long term. So traffic is not a big focus, but obviously matters and will matter more going forward. And then in terms of just users, it's around 8,000 users that are on the wait list. And then around 1,500 that are actually in those conversations and things. Uh, I feel so special to be let in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I said, it's not not too hard. Right now, the way it works is that you have to sign up and create a profile and submit your first post. And as long as it's quality, then you can get in. And so it's not particularly hard. Previously, it had been actually more of just like an actual wait list. And so a lot of those 8,000 people had been just on a wait list. And so we're starting to invite them in. And um, so it's... Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't feel special anymore, but that's okay. (laughs) No, it is special. At least I think so. (laughs) I'm just messing around. But it's a really cool community. I guess here's the other thing. I mean, you're not mentioning the companies right now. So would it be fair to say, you mentioned Gartner, right? I think from the agency world, you got to do like 25 million plus and then you got to go through the dog or the, I don't know, is it dog and pony show? I don't know, whatever. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, okay, now you're in and now you can officially pitch to other large companies who are putting out RFPs. And that seems very antiquated. So you're trying to address that problem in the SaaS world. Yep. And then the other thing is you are literally competing against the G2s, the Capteras of the world, correct? Yes, that's right. Got it. Okay, cool. I mean, those companies have raised a ton of money too. No, that's awesome though. I think anybody that's in the SaaS world should definitely sign up for this because the quality of the people, I'm just looking through it right now, people are talking about the products that they're using, but also the people that are posting, you look at it from a recruiting standpoint too. Like I'm like, oh, these people are really smart. Maybe I can poach a couple. So anyway, that's cool. So you talked about the plan for the next 90, maybe the next 12 months or so. What can you share around building this community in the first place? Like if someone were to say, hey, I want to do what you're doing, but in a different niche, what are some mistakes you can say that you made while trying to build this thing? Hmm. I mean, we're, like I said, about nine months into the site being live. And so I think there are a lot of mistakes that will be more clear to me with more hindsight than we have so far. In terms of mistakes right now, I think we maybe we actually could have waited. I think generally the advice is to just launch. And I think it was effective because we launched and our landing page was up on Hacker News and Product Hunt because we started around entirely pricing transparency. And what happened was we got a massive bunch of content where people shared all this pricing data, but then we hadn't built out the foundation to where real community interaction could happen. And we still have a long way to go on those things. And so what happened was this burst of energy and then it kind of just fell and was this slow, long rebuilding, which I think 
generally any sort of launch that you do that gets any level of attention, you're always going to have that three days later depressing moment of where'd everybody go. And so I think it's not all bad, but I wonder if we waited three months and could have captured that same energy, we would have been more suited to actually seamlessly then transition it into ongoing community energy. And so that definitely is something that maybe we could have done differently. And I guess one other one is we started out, we required Twitter authentication to join, which was obviously a point of friction because a lot of people don't use Twitter. And the reason we did it was we wanted to make sure, again, the quality is so important. So we wanted people to have avatars and usernames and be tied to an identity, even if it's like a pseudonym, but we wanted it to be tied to an identity that they are using elsewhere on the internet. And it had a lot of advantages. So I don't know that that was a mistake, although we had a lot of people who were very frustrated by it because they're like, I don't use Twitter and I want to use Capiche. And that was definitely an issue. But then the more acute mistake was we really liked having some symbiosis between Twitter and Capiche and having those usernames match is really awesome because I can tweet out an answer that someone put on Capiche and at mention that person and the username carries over. So that has worked really well. And Basically, a few weeks ago, we added Gmail and LinkedIn authentication, and we made the decision of, for those users, they have to create a username, and we decided to check against all the Twitter usernames and not let them take one. So basically, if you're a Twitter user, your username is reserved on Capiche, and obviously, there are hundreds of millions of usernames taken on Twitter, and we (laughs) invited about 500 people in after rolling that out, we got to see all the errors. People were emailing and saying, your thing is broken. I tried 20 usernames, nothing works. It's all broken. And the people who got through were just like mashing the keyboard. We have these usernames that were just a random set of numbers and things like that. And so that was definitely a mistake that we ended up rolling back. And it's a bummer because we did really like that continuity of usernames, but it was just too harsh of a decision to make. So yeah, that's a recent one. Those are super helpful. I think anybody that's trying to build a community, I think it's always good to listen to their mistakes. So two final questions from my side. What is your favorite business tool? That's the first one. That's not Capiche. I think I probably would have to go with Figma. We're in this new wave of so many amazing business software tools that are coming out. And so there are so many that I could list, but I think Figma, the thing that's so compelling about it is it's just out of the gate at least 10, maybe 100 times better than the incumbents just simply because of the collaboration, being able to collaborate in real time and see other people on your team, see their mouse moving around and see what's happening. And it's just to move what was happening in Sketch and Illustrator and Photoshop and all these things into the cloud with real-time collaboration is just so profound. Sorry, I guess maybe I should have said, I don't know if most people are familiar with Figma at this point, but It's basically a design tool similar to Sketch for product design and other things you would do in Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator. And Would they be a direct competitor to Envision? More so. No, you said it's like Sketch. Never mind. Yeah, more to Sketch, I would say. Got it. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah, you just look at Twitter. Everyone's talking about Figma. Everyone's talking about Notion. Everyone's talking about Webflow. So that's the new wave. So if I were to change the question now, favorite business, same thing, but favorite business book, what would it be? I don't know. It's hard to say favorite, but one that is recent that really had a fantastic impact on me is The Great CEO Within, which is written by Matt Mokari, along with Alex McCaw from Clearbit, who's a friend of mine. And I really respect Clearbit so much. And the things that I liked about it, one is that it's just pure tactical advice. And I think business books, sometimes a problem can be there is just so much 
filling in with these long anecdotes and you just want the cliff notes. And this felt like a book that was just the cliff notes, but had a ton in it. And so it just was so dense with actionable things that the next day you are better at your job because of a thing you read in the book. And that was one that yeah, really stood that, out. That me. book is huge. I mean, the traffic lights section, once we changed our meetings to have traffic lights, the accountability just shot up. Yeah. But there's just so much more that goes into that book. Yeah. Anyway, great book, guys. Check it out. We'll drop it in the show notes. Austin, this has been awesome. What is the best way for people to find you online? Well, capice.com obviously is where Capiche is. And then Twitter is probably the best way to find me. And I'm a funny way of spelling my name, Austin. It's A-W-W-S-T-N. So I'm at Austin on Twitter. And then I'm also just the letter A at capiche.com on email and love to chat with people in any of those places. So, yep. All right, Austin, thanks so much for doing this. Of course, thank you so much for having me. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.